enterprise continues Stop letting people talk you out of your power. How do we build a movement that allows us to respond to all the names that people don't know? People begin to think it's isolated. That's the problem. We're not angry enough. This is Life After the Impact, a podcast for impacted families by impacted families that focuses on what happens after the media, the lawyers, and the activists are gone. When the cameras are gone, people leave. We have to be there for each other. Impacted families are left to face the loss of a loved one to police-sponsored violence. We will focus on their continued fight for justice and how you can get involved. I tell families, you know, fight. Everybody can do something that you don't have to sit home and feel helpless and hopeless. We gotta stop allowing people to talk about our power. That's the main thing. can't change overnight. But we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead and start here. We didn't... A lot of injustice happens in empty courtrooms. That's right. And I, I don't know about you, you know, most of us have either had loved ones or may have been involved in the mm-hmm. injustice system ourselves. Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. us start to be the eyes and, and ears and 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 show up, put our bodies on the line in that way. Make us mm-hmm. come, you know, mm-hmm. if you can, be there. Because when people see that we are serious about showing up, they can't just shuck and jive. Because it's too many of us sitting there witnessing the shucking and jive. In these photos here, we have myself and Carrie. This is Jesse's bio mother. For years after this photo, Elaine Simons, Jesse's foster mom, has been waiting for his case to go before a jury. Hopeful, um, not 100%. Now, a trial date has been set after a previous pushback and hearing delays. It's nice to be able to have someone say, okay, we've got March 18th, but until it really happens, it's still, to me, something can change. Auburn police officer Jeff Nelson is accused of killing the 26-year-old on May 31st, 2019. Court records show Nelson shot Saray twice during an attempted arrest for disorderly conduct outside a grocery store. By the time the case goes to trial, it'll be nearly five years since Saray was killed. And in that time frame, his brother Terrell and biological mother have passed. She died on June 17, 2021. And so she has never, she just, Carrie didn't get to see that kind of justice. And that's been really hard. I miss having her by my side, you know. One way Simons is preparing is keeping an eye on the Manuel Ellis trial. I'm watching the lead prosecutor from the state because she's also our lead prosecutor. And it's not just the attorneys she's mentally preparing for. We're going to see pictures. We're going to see his last what he was wearing for the last time. I mean, it's 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 a very traumatic experience, and I want to make sure that I'm preparing the Saray family for it. And while the road to justice may be tough, and this is Jesse when he was living with me, Simons keeps the good memories around her. Keep these pictures up, just kind of remind me of the better times that we had. 
Manuel Ellis and Jesse Serey's case are the first to be tried under Initiative 940, a voter-approved statute that removes proof of malice when prosecuting police deadly force. Officer Nelson is continuing to get paid while awaiting trial. Auburn police say because of the union contract, Officer Nelson has to remain on the payroll until a verdict is reached. Again, the trial date is set for March 18th. Trial date is set for March 18th. Good evening. My name is Roxanne Johnson. And we are live, live, live this evening. Um, how you doing, Latoya? Look, I wanted to remind you about the trial date. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. We are so excited to have our friend Elaine um, with us. Uh, she is going to talk to us about the fight for her foster son, Jesse. And um, uh, how you doing, Elaine? Wait, yeah, we're nice. fast, so we, we haven't been live in a couple of weeks, you guys. So. We have not been, yeah. My, it's my, been a couple of weeks, so. Well, my name. Saying, who are you? Who am I? Excuse me, Elaine, just a moment while I introduce myself. Thank my you. name is Roxanne Johnson. My son's name is Jamal Bird. He was killed by uh, DC Metropolitan Police October 1st, 2019. Pass it to you, Latoya. All right, you guys. Uh, hey, you all. My name is Latoya Benton. I am the mother of Xavier Hill. Xavier was killed by Virginia State Police on January the 9th, 2021, at the age of 18. Um, tonight, we are honored to be joined by Miss Elaine Silence. Elaine, you want to give a brief intro of who you are and who Jesse is, please? Hi, my name is Elaine Simons, and I'm out of Seattle, Washington. And I was the foster mother of Jesse Saray. Now I can say how you been doing, Elaine. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I even have this on so I can hear better. <laughs> no, I'm doing good. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I met I met Elaine on several occasions, so I feel like you know this is just a a a, a chat. Another conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a friend. Unfortunately, we met in a, you know, because we all have this in common that we've lost loved ones to police violence. So tell us a little bit about what happened in, um, in Jesse's case. Um, well, Jesse was unhoused at the time and um, he was having a mental health crisis. And um, we're still trying to piece together the last 20 minutes of his life. But basically, instead of having um, a social worker or someone come and try to de-escalate the situation, it was exasperated. Um, the police officer that showed up um, had an interaction with Jesse. And this is the piece that really puzzles us. He told Jesse he needed to calm down and that they were going to let him go. And so he left. The cop left. There were two cop cars. They took off. Jesse, then I walked his path, went from the Walgreens to the Starbucks and then across the street to where his his ultimate death was. And by that time, Jesse had already calmed down. He was mm -hmm. sitting down. It was a hot day by the ice machine and he had already de-escalated. And the police officer came back alone. He separated from the other guy that he was with and he came back to where Jesse was. And I think he was looking, I think he was stalking him. I think mm -hmm. that's, you know, I can't, I can't say. 
But mm -hmm. basically within 37 seconds of contact of saying you're under arrest and Jesse is sitting down there and he's like, well, you let me go. And you can hear it in the videotape. They were able to you know, get some footage and the police officer put hands and lifted him up and um, a scruffle happened. It was really fast. I mean, when you watch it on the video, um, the gentleman had him in a chokehold. He was hitting him and Jesse fought back. And then the cop stepped back and shot him at, at um, close range in his um, torso. And that should have been it. That should have been, that should have ended it because Jesse went down. But then you see that he tried to re-engage his gun and it stuck. So it, 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 within 37 seconds, he re-engaged his gun. It stuck. He had to clear the chamber. So again, the cop could have stopped. Mm -hmm. And instead, he came in and shot him in the head. And wow. it was oh like, what did you just do? I mean, the boy is down, you know? Mm -hmm. And the only thing that really holds to me the most about that whole situation is you could see the police officer sitting down next to him. And I, my mind is going, he's saying, oh, fuck, I got caught. What am I going to do? That's what I'm thinking is going through his head. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the, you know, it was like I said, it was 37 seconds. And it, it, it the irony of it, the irony, we thought the headshot was the kill shot. We found out later that it was the first shot that really actually killed Jesse. And the second shot is the um, first degree assault. And that was pretty surprising for us when the autopsy came out. Mm -hmm. So like this case happened, because from the news, uh, the clip we, paid, we played when it first started, it happened about five years ago, is that right? Yeah, May so 31st. Officer, May 31st, the officer was, he was indicted, right? Yes. Now, what bothers me, I think, um, listening to that clip is one that he is still on the payroll from um, for the last five years. And I'm not sure if you all listen to the clip, but this officer has been on the payroll. Is, yep. is he even? He's not working, right? He's getting a check. He's on paid administrative house arrest. Wow. And the thing was, the case didn't get charged until um august of 2020 and so for the first year you know i was like many of us out there saying his name um you know trying to bring um because it wasn't televised really it really didn't have any um what do you call it any traction and then one day um our civil lawyer said they the prosecution wanted to meet with us and I didn't know that this wasn't the norm. I thought, oh, this is what happens to all families because I'm, you know, we don't know what this is about. And so we go in and the prosecutors are there and we're kind of like, well, what do they want with us? And that's when they said they were bringing forth charges. And it was the first charge and indictment of a police officer in almost 40 years in the state of Washington. Well, I think it's a matter of not necessarily doesn't happen for all families. I think it doesn't happen as often as it should. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? So I think yeah. when you say the, the process of you all getting uh, the opportunity of going with the prosecutors, that's what most families are fighting for, right? It's yep. for that one opportunity to go to talk to the prosecutor, which should not be 
it shouldn't be an opportunity. That should be our legal right. That's right. right. Absolutely. And then the other thing about going to that clip real fast too, I want to know what happens. The lady said on there, they said he has to be on paid administrative leave because of something about the union based upon the verdict. Did I hear that right? Mm-hmm. But what happens if he's found guilty? Then what? That's the piece that we money? keep asking is my understanding is maybe that money has to be paid back, you know, that maybe? He had, really? I, yeah, there's no, we haven't got an affirmative answer. And then mm -hmm. he still got a pension and we don't know, does that pension, is that still his? And that's, you know, these are pieces that as lay people, I mean, that's kind of what I feel like. I don't have the answers to, but I think that, you know, I'm not going to try to support police officers, but you know what that's doing to Auburn, Washington? They're down a cop. They're down a cop. So while he's on paid administrative leave, they have a less police officer on duty and crime has gone up. There are more homicides and police shootings that have happened post this time. And you would think that would say something to them. You know, y'all need to start changing things that's happening in Auburn. Well, what, what, what we need to understand, Elaine, is that the way that they operate is the way that they are. Right. Right. They are, quote unquote, trained to de-escalate situations. However, we see time and time again, when we have talked to families on this very podcast, that they're the ones who escalate the situation and then they feel like they have to use deadly force because they escalated it to a point where it had no other no place to go but to end how how it ends. This country was founded on violence. Yep. And it was being maintained by violence, namely the police departments all across this country. And yep. if it's by the, design. It's yeah. by design. And if I were the citizens of Auburn, Washington, I would be totally pissed that someone who is, is, has been indicted and is about to stand trial for murder is getting paid using my- Five family. years. <laughs> Three, uh, four years by the time the trial A whole nickel for a whole nickel. Yeah. He has been- A hundred thousand a year. You know, I can imagine right. in his living room watching whatever he watching, eating bonbons <laughs> or whatever he doing on your taxpayer money. That's what I understand. So when it comes to the, their, their daily salaries, right, that's tax money. When it comes to losses or not, yeah, it comes from a different division or not, but y'all paying for that. Y'all paying for him to sit at home. Yeah. Well, and Auburn, not only did he kill Jesse, he had two other kills before Jesse. Oh. So he's responsible for the murder of three young men. And he has cost the taxpayers almost $6.5 million already in civil lawsuits. This guy is leading them. Hmm? Do you have the other two names as well? Yes, Isaiah Obit was um, the second young man. And Brian Scammon was the first young man at the time and neither one of them has gone to trial but um isaiah obit was supposed to have an inquest which is a process in washington state where they do uh, it's almost like a trial to see if it's going to go to trial mm -hmm. they halted it they decided i think they halted it to find out the outcome of this one so that maybe that they will not have to go to an inquest that maybe nelson will get another charge for this other young man's murder 
So cool. that one's been put on pause. Well, he sounds oh. like the very definition of kill a cop. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't want to say serial killer, but hey. Exactly. <laughs> it's getting serial killer to me. Yeah. I'm like a serial killer want either. It's giving it to me, right? Yeah. We can say it. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely can say it. So anyway, let's fast forward a little bit to um a little kind of like back to the school again. Um, we know there's a court case, a court case coming up. Um, and, and we're gonna say it kind of lightly, right? Because um, people who are watching the podcast right now, I know when I met Elaine a couple of years ago, she was expecting to go to court. Then it kept getting changed and it kept getting changed. So Elaine, as of right now, what is the current court case? Well, at the last court hearing, they kept alluding, saying that we're going to trial in March. That's what the everybody kept saying. And mm -hmm. I, sometimes I take the, myself the liberty to speak in court, which is unheard of. But I, this time, decided to send a text to the court monitor. And I said, I need to hear the judge say the actual date. I want it, I want it on record. And so then the judge had to address me and said, Miss Elaine, I heard you, you know, you're questioning the date. And she said then March 18th, 2024. And so she, I at least have that on record because this is all they keep doing. Because I can see March coming or whatever. And then again, they'll extend it. And yeah. I don't know, there's no reason why this case has been on pause for so long. I mean, if you had three, you'll have four years by then to have already put this case together. <laughs> well, so what they want to do is um, have oh, the, all of the, who you know, the press and all of the things that, that shows him in a negative light. Yeah. Wait for that to kind of dissipate. Mm -hmm. quiet. Mm -hmm. So then, then they can do the backdoor. That's it. Backdoor yeah. cleanup. The normal, normal protocol for them. Backdoor yeah. cleanup. Yeah. yeah, it's just to all of a sudden just make it like a, a nun thing. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that I have demanded um, of the courts um, is not to have a change of venue. I have been very, very, I said, this is a South King County murder. It needs to stay in South King County because the judge is out of Seattle. And so everything she does now is out of Seattle. All the hearings, everything has always been in Seattle. So that is something that I'm still holding firm. And um, the other thing that I had um, asked is that, you know, one of the things that I asked was all the way back in 2020 when it was pressed, he didn't have initially a bail. And that is my concern about anything in this type of situation is I went up in front of the courts and I said, how can you not put a bail on this police officer? You're just going to let him walk out this door free until a hearing? That would have been, what, four years that he would have been paid free but not working? So I'm really blessed that I was able to testify, and we at least got him arrested, and but he did make bail but, and got house arrest. But if we didn't have that in place, the thing is, if he was in prison during this time, it would have been fast-tracked because yeah. in jail you have the right to a speedy trial and they have to go through the jail people before they go to the ones that are on out on the out like him. Well, let me well, put a figure. Ahead, <laughs> yeah. there, there is an amendment in the constitution of the United States of America. 
I think it's Amendment 8, don't quote me, one, that says that you have the right to a speedy trial. So it's in the Constitution yeah. of the United States of America. He's way And then I'm going to say real fast, too, I, I think, too, if you follow um, William Green's case, William Green's case right now, um, that case, yeah. it, it's the same kind of same kind of thing. They tried to change the venue on that family. Um, Nikki did the exact same thing. She went up as far as, you know, let them know, hey, these are stay right where I sat. But, it, but again, he's in jail, but the case still has been dragging along. It's still been dragging along. If I, they, they do what they do it on purpose. But, but it's, I mean, unless there's, I mean, I'm, I'm not even to speculate, but I, I just, I can't, I don't know. I don't get it because in other homicides that are not police related, we see how the system works. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, they don't even call police violence, violence. I know. That's the first thing that's very, very wrong about the way that we look at when police kill citizens right? That it's violence. And it's violence, just like if I assaulted somebody is violence, right? And so they get all of these uh, exceptions to the rule. Yeah. And what they do is try to backdoor bullshit so that they don't even get, mm -hmm. you know, they end up getting uh, like the woman up in uh, Minnesota, Dante Wright, getting 11, you know, le two less than two years for taking mm -hmm. someone. I know. It's ridiculous. I was there the day before Kim Potter got released and I went out with mm -hmm. Katie and Amity and, you know, I could sense that, like, you know, she did say something to me and it's so, I love how we all talk to each other. And she says, well, you've gotten more time on your guy on house arrest than I got for my son. And, and so, because it was 15 months and now she's out, you know, mm -hmm. disgusting. A manslaughter of a normal manslaughter, my friend, he was killed. 18 years both the guys got for manslaughter. Well, let's, talk about, let's talk about people who just have bad weed in their car. <laughs> Look about how much time you can get time just for stuff like that, right? You you can get like time just for having drugs in your car, but you can go kill somebody and get out less than two years, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think even, even when we say the philosophy of Look, okay, let's jail killer cops or whatnot. Okay, yeah, that's cool. But like, are we actually gonna have the? Is the crime is the, is the crime gonna fit the punishment? Is it really gonna fit it for real? Not it's gonna be a slap on the wrist, right? Right, right. And so, that and they used him as a poster child. A friend of mine went to Petaluza, Petaluza, whatever. It was a pet thing, and the police were there doing recruiting, and the big recruiting poster had his. This his picture on it. So all the activists, we did a big fight. We got it taken out that they had to Who's remove him from all their advertisement. But they were advertising a indicted police officer for their their recruiting. I mean, these people, Auburn's just crazy. Well, <laughs> it's a small little sleepy town, basically. Just Auburn, Washington. All this cost this country. And so, you know, yeah. that is one of the reasons that we have to show up in the courthouse so right. that they can't do all of this underhanded stuff with somebody at least watching them. Yep. I have not missed one case hearing. And, you know, when 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 um Carrie died, it was really hard on me because I always had the mother. And it was like that silent, even though she was silent, it was 
that giving that I was the voice for her son. And then when she died, it kind of, uh, it wiped me out. It was like, how the community, though, as far as outside of just yourself and Carrie being there, is the courthouse, so when you guys go to court, is it actually packed in the courthouse? Wonderful ground on the ground support. I mean, we have, um, when we first started going in person, we stopped going in person because it just got to the point you could show up and it's over in five minutes. But Uh for the most significant court hearings, it was packed. And um, I'm seeing less and less police showing up for him, which is good. And but we'll see what happens when the trial starts up again, um, if 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 the police will show up strong. But at the building, what do you think advice wise you can give to other families who, when we say the courthouse is packed, right? You might have some other families who are going to court in the courthouse they're not packed. How did you guys, how did you guys obtain that in order to get the ground support done in order to get the, because, you know, of course, the podcast were about action, right? It was about yeah. action about as far as how we can um, help others, you know, do the exact same thing or mimic the exact same work. So how are you guys successful in doing so to get the groundwork done to pack the courthouse? Well, we have two different ways that we do it. We have our virtual community across the nation that helps us. Um, I've been very blessed to have all these tech, young tech people create our website, continue to run our Instagram and on our online virtual things. At the actual in court, we have um, streamers that are streaming it so that people can watch it if they can't be there. Because, you know, taking a day off is hard. And so we have streamers there. And then the courthouse that I chose and I want has it set up when there's an overflow, you could be out in the um, kind of sitting area and there's large screen TVs so that you could also watch it. And then there are a lot of people who may not make it into the courtroom. And so the streamers are then out front of the courthouse doing it. And that's how we have used it in the past. But watching the Manuel Ellis case, um, his case came after ours, but for some reason went to trial before ours. And that kind of shifted things for us. But I've been able to watch their case. And you know what the judge ruled a month ago said no gathering out front, no protesters, nothing. He ruled that they couldn't be out there. And so I'm just hoping our judge doesn't do the same ruling because I thought that you have a right, well, you know, to be able to go into a courtroom by law to watch a public hearing and to gather peacefully outside but he said if they continue to be out there he will call a mistrial that's what he said so your first amendment rights don't Mm -hmm. don't uh work first amendment you have the right to protest right yeah but not in auburn washington that's in Pierce County. That was a dip. This is Emmanuel Ellis case. So okay. Pierce County is to come a Lakewood. And so um, we're watching how they're doing it. And I hope that ours doesn't fall in the same way theirs is doing it, which changed my planning. We were talking about how do I do trial, prepare for trial support? How do I plan for trial support when it could change any minute? Well, but, but, I, but I think, but you know, the difference could change any minute, but that, that goes again to people have to be more so instead of us just, um, instead of us just being interested in the case at the height of the moment, 
we have to kind of keep consistent flow. You know what yeah. I mean? And that way, when it does change at any moment, those people who are supporting us, they can change just like that too. It shouldn't matter because right. that's how it should work anyway. And I think we got to begin changing that cultured mindset of, because yeah, that's how we got to operate, right? Um, yeah. we, I'm, I'm having a pillow with Zay's case right now. And if the judge says do something like that, we got to move like that because that's how they operate. But we got to build our system to at the same time too in order to fight the system. Um, one more time, let's run that clip again for the viewers to see. I want to re reiterate again, you guys. Lane, um, the Jesse survey, this court coming up again. Keep in mind, y'all, this officer has been on paid administrative leave for five years. I ain't never heard no shit like that a day in my damn life. And just think about the taxpayer dollars that are going to this man's salary. Mm -hmm. uh, Mel, do you mind, please, one more time? Can we please play the clip again of the news clips? We can reiterate again. Oh, are we talking about now? Or am I talking about that? I'm sorry. Thank you. In these photos here, we have myself and Carrie. This is Jesse's bio mother. For years after this photo, Elaine Simons, Jesse's foster mom, has been waiting for his case to go before a jury. Hopeful. Um, not 100% convinced. Now, a trial date has been set after a previous pushback and hearing delays. It's nice to be able to have someone say, okay, we've got March 18th, but until it really happens, it's still, to me, something can change. Auburn police officer Jeff Nelson is accused of killing the 26-year-old on May 31st, 2019. Court records show Nelson shot Saray twice during an attempted arrest for disorderly conduct outside a grocery store. By the time the case goes to trial, it will be nearly five years since Saray was killed. And in that time frame, his brother Terrell and biological mother have passed. She died on June 17, 2021, and so she has never, she just, Carrie didn't get to see that kind of justice. And that's been really hard. I miss having her by my side, you know. One way Simons is preparing is keeping an eye on the Manuel Ellis trial. I'm watching the lead prosecutor from the state because she's also our lead prosecutor. And it's not just the attorneys she's mentally preparing for. We're going to see pictures. We're going to see his last, what he was wearing for the last time. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very traumatic experience. And I want to make sure that I'm preparing the Saray family for it. And while the road to justice may be tough. And this is Jesse when he was living with me. Simons keeps the good memories around her. Keep these pictures up. Just kind of remind me of the better times that we had. Manuel Ellis and Jesse Saray's case are the first to be tried under Initiative 940, a voter-approved statute that removes proof of malice when prosecuting police deadly force. Officer Nelson is continuing to get paid while awaiting trial. Auburn police say because of the union contract, Officer Nelson has to remain on the payroll until a verdict is reached. Again, the trial date is set for March 18th. <laughs> And so to Latoya's point, that's why we need to develop strategies. Yeah. We need to focus on consistency. Mm -hmm. We talk playing chess, not checkers, and being reactive, but being able to move as soon as, as, as we know that there's a court case, a group of us showing up on the spot every time. And, and, and even, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I was done. 
No, I was gonna say too. Even I want y'all again with these podcast episodes too. It's about learning, right? Um, when you watch stuff like when you watch just those news clips, if you heard on there, she also said too as well that this is a there. There two of these cases are getting tried under a new statute. Uh, Wayne, what is the bill called again? It's called I nine forty. I nine forty. One second. One second. So I want y'all to look up as well, too. When you're hearing about these things, too, keep in mind that it's on the second case being tried under this. So it's something new, right? Yeah. These podcast episodes are not just to be uh, about being informative, but it's also about how can you maneuver in your state, too, to get things done. Oftentimes, when one thing happens in one state, you can't do the same thing in another state. You have to begin doing the legwork to look it up. You want to elaborate a little bit on what that bill does? Well, basically, the bill was passed in 2000, and um, I think it was 18. Um, Charlena Lyles was a pretty high-profile murder trial um, case here. And from that, her and a, a lot of impacted mothers and a lot of people in the community created this bill, but the bill itself took from that point to 2020 for the prosecutor to actually take it forward. And so um, it was that a cop didn't have to, it, it didn't have to prove malice. And so um, they, they just, I mean, I think, let's see, Jesse was number 18 once the bill passed, and there's been over 200 since the bill passed police related murders here in Washington state. So I think once the indictment is convicted, it will then open it up. And we just passed a law in 2021 of our first attorney general's independent investigation office. And that law will is reopening cases. They're bringing cases to the AG. The AG is then opening them up. And they are bringing them forward. So the Manuel Ellis case, and it's really important you understand the difference between our case and Manuel Ellis. The attorney general brought forward the Manuel Ellis. So not only is it staffed by five AG lawyers, but there's also then the independent prosecutors on that case. So when you go into that murder trial, you're seeing three different lawyers for the three different cops that were, you know, indicted. And then in Manuel Ellis's case, you're seeing that and then over on the prosecutor side, you see the prosecutors and the AG. In our situation, it was King County prosecutors who brought forward ours. However, they changed the, the situation. They outsourced it. We have private attorneys working on it. And we've been trying to get the independent prosecution law passed here, and we have not been able to get that passed. That well, every you know, year it, it, it probably comes back to you know voting and who, who's yep. in office, right? It comes back to voting who's in office. Uh, I think we said even with having, I, I think we get stuck on just thinking that only certain people can bring upon charges, but we don't do the right research to see who actually has power over whom, right? Because we just think it's just the district attorney or it's just the person here. You know, and you can maybe go around this person here to get certain things brought about. So. You know, you got to, like Roxanne says all the time, you got to use all the tools in the toolbox. And having independent prosecutors has changed ours. We started off with county prosecutors. And then when the King County prosecution officer hired these outside prosecutors, that in itself, I think, extended our case because then they had to then get onto the case and get up to speed. Um, the county still asks as consultants to them 
and um you know they're pretty sharp you know we interviewed them um they've done high profile murder trials they were um took on the green river murder so they were able to take down him which was a pretty high profile but on the flip side the defense for Jeff Nelson also real high profile they were the ones that got that um, military person, remember a few years ago, he was um, court-martialed for a sniper killing civilians, and he was supposed to be, he got off, they got him off for that. So, I mean, these are two pretty, they're gonna, it's, they're fun to watch. I, I'm sorry to talk about it like that, but just seeing, it's like a, a spar, the way that they just fight with each other, you know, they're both, they're determined. And it's costing a lot of money. Like I told you, these are not cheap. And who's printing the bill? I mean, um, I want to see all these cases open. But like I said, by the time Jeff Nelson is going to be over, it'll be a couple million dollar loss, you know. And, and that's, that's even if they even have the case in the over with, right? Like I said, again, or whatnot, they keep pushing the case back. So I think the importance of uh, this part of this podcast, one, two, because y'all have, have to understand and realize that just because an officer gets indicted on charges does not mean that they're not sitting at home not getting a paycheck. Because uh, to me, th that bothers me more than, yeah. th that just bothers me because even for her to say at the end, she says, um, he has to be on paid leave depending on the, what the verdict says. Well, what are you guilty? Then what happened? Who pays all that back? Does it come out of the Do you know how much could go into other programs? And he's just sitting home with a free paycheck and we just, so yeah, that's a that's a uh, ball game. But no, I hear you on that. What about all the impacted families that have to do it out of pocket and raise money for their own? I mean, I yes, I'm, I'm <laughs> talking mean? to you. What do you mean? I mean that is quiet. so wrong. That is just to me. You know, I mean, it's just disgusting. Yeah, but, but I what? think again that that's that goes back into the instances of we have to build a system to fight the system. Yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be a thing that where someone feels that they are lucky or they are a good opportunity because they get a chance to do it and other ones do not. You know what I'm saying? Because to me, I feel like if I get a chance to go to court, but I know I got like 20 other moms who don't, but I talk to my daily basis or not, I'm gonna feel a little bit on the crazy side. I'm kind of like, you know, well, how come? And it's like they pick and choose, right? And it shouldn't be like that because yeah. we should all get the same rights that we are entitled to. That's what they yeah. say we have to get these rights, right? So that's right. that's what they're saying. So I think of any of all things, we can really take the podcast of one, they'll drag things out uh, forever. And, you know, to pack the courthouse. Mm -hmm. Roxanne, anything you want to wrap up with? I, I just wanted to just um kind of reiterate. That's why I took the time to say that now we got people that are subverting our constitutional rights at this point. Yeah. Have laws in place that pay people who have been indicted, okay, for crimes and it's being paid for by our taxpayer dollars. And they have somehow fooled you, because I ain't mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you safer with this setup that they've put in place. Mm. Um, we are not any safer. These people are violent and they need to be dealt with succinctly. And the way that we get that happening is we, we register and vote, 
but then we legislate. So it's, it's you know, this is not a sprint. We say that a lot too on this, mm-hmm. this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as we're ending 2023 and going into 2024, we're going to dig our heels in deeper mm-hmm. and we're going to be about that action. That's right. That's right. And as you guys build a fast too for your wrap up, y'all, as she says, we want to legislate. Let's learn how in 2024 to quit uh, reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. If you have families out here who are able to some kind of way figure out how to maneuver through the system, use the information that is given to you. It's there. You got to look for it. That's the thing. You, you see what everybody's talking about just now. They just said it's only been two cases that, that have been tried under this bill. That's two. So go look the bill up. Look it up. And then see if there's one that might be similar in your state. And then exactly. you have legislation behind it to push it. Find the delegates in your office who are going to push the bill behind it in your particular state. We can all do the exact same thing. Well, let's just get a lot of things. Instead of saying, you know, hey, well, I don't have to do something different. Why? If it's working in that state, it worked there. When I see it working in your state, if it works in your state, pass it along to somebody else. We have to get a deal in the system, you guys, to fight the system. We got to start somewhere. We don't always say we're going to do the next step. No, let's take what we already have or not and make it better. And I think that you hear something really critical. We, a lot of us, I mean, I, I was on the Washington Coalition for Police Accountability for two years working on bills. And if you do not keep on top of bills that are passed to make That's sure right. that they are used, then you just, you became complicit. There's no point. Yeah. What, what's the point? You know, right. I had to step down from WCPA because I thought I was going to trial. So I stood down because I needed to focus on this. And then when this didn't go to trial, I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. But, but Elaine, again, that's what they wait for. They wait for us to be inconsistent because they know at that point in time, the moment we're not consistent, they know, oh, they don't really care about that for real. Right. Yep. And that's <laughs> they put us back north yet. Well, that's why every so often I reach out to the media. I have like a media right. um, database and mm-hmm. I'm like, Let's make us. Let's find a story. Let's That's let's right. try to bring this back in because if it continues to go like you said, Roxanne, and keep being forgotten, and so every so often I I'll send them out something. I'll send them a tidbit or like when we found out about the you know the poster child thing that got some news coverage. So every so often I I I will I'm watching cases across the United States. I'm watching what's happening here so that somehow I could bring it back in, you know? So we are the media, right? We are the media. We have to keep the traction going for our cases. And and podcasts like this, yeah. you know, I think between us, this is more effective than the mainstream media anyways mm-hmm. because it's more from the heart it's mm-hmm. it's a conversation and so people need to know that don't think that you need to be on your national television reach mm-hmm. out to podcast people like you guys mm-hmm. reach out to a lot of the ladies that we know across this nation that have them mm-hmm. because they're getting it out to the audience it needs to get out to you know and now they're getting out to the audience to get out to but also they're learning these are the people who actually are in the system and they're in the courtrooms and learning what's going on. It's not just word of ear, right? A word of mouth or whatnot. It's a daily thing we're learning every single day. So again, we have to begin to learn how to learn from each other 
so we can build a better system to fight the system we're currently fighting against. Said a mouthful. You said a mouthful. You said a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Just real quickly, I don't know if you can see behind me, but this was a beautiful quilt that was made in honor of Jesse. And the woman in the far back is his mom. Mm -hmm. And um, the young man to the right there is in the back is one of his brothers. And then mm -hmm. up front on this side, Terrell is my son, um, Jesse's younger brother, who had also died. And so this picture is so poignant to me because uh, what is happening is our family is dying. Mm. And and I had brought that to the court saying, you're not seeing the mother, you're not seeing the brother, not because they don't want to be here, because they are dying from this. You are killing, you know, I look at them as collateral damage from this. So it's, it's really important that I always bring them forward. And with me, same thing with Isaiah Obit and Brian Scammon, because they they have a right to have their names along with Jeff Nelson. You know, that he is responsible, that he destroyed three families. Mm, 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 mm. Do you feel safer, Auburn, Washington? I think mm. not. <laughs> I, I don't even want to talk. You know, when people say, Eli, I need you to come to Auburn, I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, we'll come in, right? We'll come in. So, you guys, just one last time. Before you ready to wrap up tonight, um, again, if well, we don't want you necessarily to have to go to Auburn, but if you can go there to support Elaine, in March, we go there for a cause, right? Um, then again, it's not until March, but it doesn't matter. We want to make sure we're building the tension up into that point in time. Uh, be sure to reach out to Elaine, ask her how you can share the post, what you can do as far as court support is concerned in order to get her mentally prepared uh, for this trial. And, you know, we're, we're going to pray that we get in March and we're going to and we'll have a, a verdict. And not only have a verdict, but they have punishment that fits the crime. Yeah, that the crime and the punishment are, yeah, fitting. <laughs> okay. All right. I think that's it, Roxanne. Right. Well, this has been Life After the Impact. We thank you again, Elaine, for joining us. And uh, as we say, before we part, don't forget to register and vote. And vote. And be oh, you guys, one more thing, too. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry to wrap it up. Tomorrow, um, I was I'm speaking with Nikki all week long. As I was saying too, they have been in court all uh, for the last two weeks almost over in Maryland for her cousin William Green. Um, please be support. Be uh, sure to look up that family up, William Green. Um, I think she said tomorrow we close with arguments. That officer is on trial as well for murder. He's been in jail. Um, since that point in time as well. And kind of like Elaine's case too, they try to you know, change the venue over and some more stuff and she's able to keep it over in PG County. So court is tomorrow at nine o'clock. I'll be sure to post it on Life After the Impact. If you are in Maryland area tomorrow, please show up and show up the court tomorrow. Um, be sure to look at our pages. Also, they did a court support in the areas as well. Now I'm done, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Until next time, this has been Life After the Impact. Peace, family. Love y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you, you guys. It's been great seeing you. And A lot of injustice happens in empty courtrooms. That's right. Yeah. I don't know about you. You know, most of us have either had loved ones or may have been involved in the mm -hmm. 
and justice sisters ourselves. Mm-hmm. Let mm-hmm. us start to be the eyes and, and ears and, and, and show up, put our bodies on the line in that way. Make us mm-hmm. come, you know, mm-hmm. if you can be there because when people see that we are serious about showing up, they can't just shuck and jive because it's too many of us sitting there witnessing the shucking and jive. Everybody can do something that you don't have to sit home and feel helpless and hopeless. We got to stop loud people to talk about our power. That's the main thing. can't change overnight, but we got to start somewhere. Might as well go ahead and start here.